0: And the you're
1: ever going to be Welcome into Real Pod Wednesdays, joined by Griffin Strom. Uh, we near the end of January, first month of the football offseason, basketball season, of course, in full swing. Now, full disclosure, we are recording here before Tuesday night's men's basketball game for Ohio State. So we can't really talk much about basketball on this week's show, but I'm sure that we will on next week's show as ohio state navigates kind of up and down month here of january we'll see how all of this goes and talk about that more going going forward as we continue through the season but gonna focus on football this week we're gonna talk a little bit about the 2022 class uh what we saw from those players as freshmen and what we expect to see from them next year as sophomores, but going to start out by talking about a couple of news items from the past week. The first one being another transfer for Ohio State, finally landing a transfer offensive lineman last week with the addition of Victor Cutler. Uh, Cutler was the starting left tackle at Louisiana Monroe last season. He also has experience starting at center and right tackle, and it sounds like center is going to be the position he's going to be looking to play at Ohio State. I talked to Cutler last week, and he said that uh, he is he was told by Justin Fry that he'll have a chance to compete for the starting center job. and And I think that's certainly interesting because I think both of us had, had kind of theorized that you know Matt Jones was probably the most likely option to be Ohio State's starting center this upcoming season. But now Ohio State bringing in another option in Vic Cutler.
0: Yeah, Dan, I think at first when you saw that Ohio State landed a, a transfer tackle, people were like, oh, well, this is one of the you know positions of, of high importance, high need and everything like that. But of course, he he's not the the biggest tackle in the world, which is why he was, you know, in, in part able to play that tackle spot at Louisiana Monroe. But I think, you know, if, if he does play at center, Dan, it, it would then, you know, a, a, allow a guy like Matt Jones, who's waited a long time for his opportunities. Right. I mean, just this past year he got that, that first chance to be a full-time starter for Ohio state for a full season. And while he's been, you know, Matt Jones has been in the mix at center in previous years, you know, maybe it's not his preferred position. Maybe, you know, he would prefer to stay at that guard spot. And, you know, if Cutler ends up emerging and playing well for Ohio state, you know, in spring in the preseason, things like that, it would enable Ohio state to, to keep its two starting guards from last season where they already were and keep some continuity that maybe they wouldn't have if they had to, you know, move Matt Jones over and things like that. You know, it
1: it was interesting. It's, you know, it's kind of a beauty of actually talking to people and, and hearing from them because when I first saw this, I was kind of surprised that Ohio state uh, had brought in Vic Cutler because You look at his pro football focus grades from last season. He wasn't graded particularly well, obviously coming from a lower level. You know, you question, okay, is he going to be able to make that jump up to the Big Ten? But then once I actually talk to him, I find out, okay, he was also offered by Penn State, Ole Miss, Oklahoma State, Louisville. So this is a guy who was highly coveted by a, a lot of top programs. And then, you know, finding out that, you know, okay, he's going to play center at Ohio State. I I think that brought more clarity to the situation of, yeah, this, you know, this is not a guy who's going to necessarily fill their need at tackle. And that's still a need. Like, there's still a good chance Ohio State is going to need to go back to the transfer portal and add a transfer tackle, as, as we've talked about before. That's going to depend a lot on how spring goes because the portal window is now closed for December, January, and there's nobody left in there at tackle that Ohio State is pursuing. And so uh, Ohio State is going to really have to go through spring with the guys they have now and then see if they have two starting tackles on the roster or if they need to go get somebody else in, in May. And we'll see how that all plays out. But I think, you know, just watching some of Cutler's tape he definitely looks like a guy that even though he was playing tackle at Louisiana Monroe projects better to playing on the interior of the offensive line, where that be at center or guard. And so I, I think it's, you know, certainly a logical pickup for Ohio state, because I think while tackle has been the primary area of a, of focus of concern for Ohio state, I mean there's still questions there on that interior line too. I mean, we certainly expect that, Donovan Jackson and Matt Jones are going to be two of the starters. But, you know, who who's that third starter going to be? You know, could it be, you know, Kamahi? Could it be Jacob James? Could it be, you know, Tegra Shibola? You know, those guys might all still be in the mix. But now, you know, Vic Cutler is in the mix, too. You know, I certainly I don't think that he's going to be coming in uh, guaranteed a starting job, though. You know, when I talked to him, I asked him, you know, he's got two years of eligibility. So I asked him, you know, do you view this as a two year plan? And he said, I honestly don't that his goal is to come in and and have a really good year and ideally establish himself as an NFL draft prospect and then go pro a year from now. So, you know, we'll see if that happens. That's his goal. You know, Ohio state has said, that it's not going to guarantee starting jobs to any transfers. And so he's going to have to come in and compete and really how he develops over the next seven plus months of working with Justin Fry at Ohio State is probably going to determine whether or not he actually becomes a starter at Ohio State. But certainly you would think that Ohio State wouldn't bring him in if it didn't think he had the potential to be a starter this year. If Ohio State thought it already had the answers on its interior offensive line, it wouldn't be bringing in a transfer.
0: Yeah, Dan. I mean, obviously, from watching his film, from actually talking to him, you know, looking looking at his PFF grades, things like that. Does the addition of color actually, you know, meaningfully change your projections for the starting offensive line? If you were to, you know, make make a new set right now, obviously it's still so early. We we haven't gotten to you know see him in practice and see kind of where they slot him in and everything like. But but what's your feeling after kind of talking to him? Does does he really make? A difference in terms of the starting lineup as you see it right now? I think he certainly could. I mean, I I I mean, I think,
1: you know, the fact again, the fact that they're bringing in somebody and telling him you're going to have a chance to compete for a starting center job makes me think that, you know, there's a chance, good chance Matt Jones stays at right guard. My, My feeling is that Ohio State is going to experiment with different combinations during the spring. And so I think Matt Jones will probably take some reps at center and he'll probably take some set snaps at right guard. And I think there'll probably be different combinations in there. You know, you'll probably see Enoch Bamahi getting some first team reps at right guard, and you'll probably see Vic Cutler getting some first team reps at center and good chance. You'll see Jacob James getting some first team reps at center and Tegra Shibola getting some first team reps at right guard. So I, I, I think they're going to have to experiment a little bit to figure out, what that best five is. I mean, there's even the possibility and I, I think we'll probably see it at some point this spring. Well, I don't know if we'll see it, but I think most likely it'll happen inside the Woody Hayes Athletic Center at some point this spring that they'll probably give Donovan Jackson some reps at tackle too, and see what he can do at that spot. Even though, you know, my, my feeling would be that Donovan Jackson will remain at guard. Cause I think that's probably where his NFL future is. It, it's possible they could move him out to left tackle too, if, if they feel like he's their best option to fill that need. So, you know, I I I I don't think this is going to be a spring where, you know, we kind of saw last year, it was kind of, they kind of already had their starting five at this point and they pretty much stuck with that five all off season long. I don't think they're going to be able to do that this year. I think this spring, particularly they're they're going to have to rotate and mix in some different combinations to really try to find out who their best five are.
0: Yeah, Dan, I, I think for Buckeye fans, there's certainly a, a level of, I, I think even after bringing in Cutler, he, they still might have some feeling of, you know, under, under, underwhelming and, and things like that, because like you, like you mentioned, tackle still is such a big question for them. And I think, you know, looking at a guy like Enoch Vamahi, like that seemed like a a sensible option for, for a veteran guy that's stepped in and started games for Ohio State in, in times of need in the past on the interior and looking at Matt Jones as a guy that that would certainly project to be a, a, a rock solid center for them. So I, I think there's still questions to be answered. However, Ohio State has now added five transfers, Dan. We have four of those being scholarship, scholarship guys. Cutler, obviously, last week we talked about uh, Gebbia coming into the mix at quarterback to add depth there. And Carter being really the maybe the, the the most standout of the bunch at safety. And, and that, Dan, is the, the most day has added in any offseason yet you know, it still feels like there's going to have to be some work to be done or, you know, maybe not. I mean, maybe, maybe Ohio state does end up just, you know, rolling with the guys, the talent they have in that offensive line room, as we talked about trying to figure things out with different combinations, but it certainly feels like, I think people would be a lot more comfortable if Ohio state was able to bring in, you know, a high caliber, high caliber tackle come in. Yeah. I mean, we'll see what
1: happens, but my feeling is they're not done that. Uh, There probably will be more additions, you know, maybe just one addition, but my feeling is there probably will be more work to be done in the portal in May. And I think that just kind of speaks to the new normal of college football, where, again, I mean, they've already added more transfers than we've seen them add in previous years under Ryan Day. And I think, you know, if you ask, oh, if you ask Ryan Day, if you ask Ohio State about kind of their approach to the transfer portal over the past five years, they'd say they've been selective. They've been very careful about who they bring in. I think if you ask some Ohio State fans, they'd probably say they feel like Ohio State hasn't been aggressive enough. So I think we've seen Ohio State be more aggressive. Obviously they did not land the guys they were hoping to land at offensive tackle. And so it certainly was not, you know, a perfect transfer window for Ohio State in terms of you know, there they were, there were other guys they wanted that they didn't get, but, you know, to, to, you know, land at least one potential starting offensive lineman to land a likely starting safety in Jihad Carter. Uh, they got, you know, some additional quarterback depth in, in Tristan Gebbia, and then a new starting long snapper in John Furlman. You know, I, I, I think the reality is in, in today's climate of, of the transfer portal and, and how big it's become. Like, I don't know if that group is going to move the needle with fans in terms of, you know, generating a ton of excitement, but I do think that all those guys they brought in are, are going to serve a purpose for this Ohio state team. I think they all bring value in different ways and, you know, I, I I think Ohio State has continued to stay true to its philosophy in terms of bringing in players who are cultural fits, or at least that it sees as cultural fits, and players that, you know, address positions of need, you know, whether yet be, you know, in, in Carter's case or Cutler's case, where those guys could potentially be starters in 2023 or in Gebbia's case where, you know, there's no expectation that he'll be the starting quarterback, but where there was still a, a clear need for additional depth with only, you know, free scholarship quarterbacks before him, only two of whom are going to be in practice this spring.
0: And another big development for the 2023 roster came from a player that was on the roster this past year. I don't know if, if many people or, or certainly us uh, expected this, this player to return, Dan, in 2023. But it was what, like late on Friday night or Friday evening, we, we heard word that Josh Proctor will be coming back for a sixth year for Ohio State. A safety, Dan, that came into the season, you know, coming off of a catastrophic injury from 2021, but, you know, widely expected to to be, you know, a starter really all season for Ohio State. Started the year as a, as a starter, but quickly got surpassed by Lathan Ransom, who was you know, excellent for, for much of the season for Ohio State. And Dan, really, from, from listening to your interview with Proctor at Peach World Media Day, I, I got the vibe, like, if, if I was to call it after listening to that interview, I would not have expected Proctor to be back. I'm not sure if you felt the same way, but that's certainly how I felt. And uh, now, suddenly, Dan, a position for Ohio State that seemed a little bit unsure now seems to have a lot of depth with Proctor and ransom and uh, coming back and Carter coming in and the young talent they have behind that. Yeah, I didn't really
1: expect him to come back either after after that interview. I got the vibe that he was probably more likely to either, you know, test the NFL waters or you know, potentially enter the transfer portal. But, you know, I think it's certainly a logical move for Josh Proctor. I mean, I think, you know, realistically, had he entered the draft, he was unlikely to be drafted simply based on the fact that he didn't play much this past year. And so I think he's somebody who, if he wants to improve his chances to be drafted, uh need, needs another year of college football. And so I think it's a logical decision for him, certainly. I, I think for Ohio State, it's interesting because like you said, I I mean, I look at the safety roster now and I, I see seven guys who I think could realistically you know, be in a mix for starting jobs this offseason. You know, Leif and Ransom, certainly leading the way there. Josh Proctor, Jahad Carter, Sonny Stiles and Kai Stokes, the two rising sophomores. And then Cam Martinez and Court Williams, a couple four-fear guys who are still trying to establish a, a foothold in that safety rotation. And so I think it's going to be, you know, a very interesting competition at, at that position this spring, because... You know, I, I certainly would expect Ransom to be a starter. My guess would be he'll probably move to free safety to replace Ronnie Hickman, but you know he could play either that free safety or that strong safety role. You know, Josh Proctor could potentially, you know, factor in at either of those spots too. But I, I also think, you know, Sonny Styles and Kai Stokes are going to be two guys who are going to be tough to keep off the field. And we'll talk about them even more when we talk about the 2022 class. But, you know, I think those are guys you know, we certainly saw Kai Stokes flash in last year's spring game. We saw Sonny Styles flash in his first year at Ohio State. I, I think those are two guys who are going to be, you know, real contenders for starting jobs. And then, you know, certainly, you know, I don't think they would have brought in Jahad Carter if they didn't view him as a starter. My feeling is he will likely be a starting nickel safety, you know, but then you again, you got a guy like, you know, Cam Martinez, who's going to be trying to earn playing time too. You got a guy like Court Williams who people in the program have been very high on, you know, he, he was, you know, he's had a lot of issues with injuries that have kept him from really showing much on the field. But, you know, this is a guy who was named a team captain last year. So, you know, you can't rule him out either. And so it's a good problem to have, you know, a lot of depth there, obviously though, very important to get the right answers there. Cause we saw at the end of last season, you know, the safeties, you know, didn't perform up to expectations and, and, you know, we've heard Jim Knowles say so many times about it being a safety-driven defense. And so they need to identify who are, who are our best combination of free players, just like we talked about at offensive line. But, you know, I think, you know, those kind of, those are two positions right now. You know, obviously quarterback is going to draw a lot of the headlines, but I think when when we think about, you know, we're going to spring practices, like what position battles are we going to have our eye on? Offensive line is certainly up there. And for me, safety is certainly up there too.
0: Yeah, Dan. I was really starting to kind of have the feeling that you know, like you said, ransom with ransom coming back, him moving over to the free safety spot in place of Ronnie Hickman, and because of that, I was I was really you know warming up to the prospect of man, Sonny Styles might really be a, a starting you know strong safety for Ohio State as you know in, in just his second year, just looking at the the depth and everything. But with Proctor coming back, Dan, I mean, I just can't imagine that he would have come back after a year in which he was visibly. Disappointed with his his playing time, obviously. Like I mean, his his snaps really were slashed by the tail end of the season. I just can't imagine a guy that would be that was as as you know disappointed as he was in his the way his season went coming back to Ohio State. If he didn't have you know so some a thought that he was going to be a starter for Ohio State, I mean, that's, there's nothing guaranteed, of course, which you've heard the coaches and players say over and over. But I really think with Proctor coming back, that he is going to be a guy that begins the season as a starter in one of those roles.
1: Yeah. I don't know if I'm quite as confident on you about what I, I, I think it's probably likely he begins camp as a starter, but I think he's still going to have to earn that job. I mean, I mean, obviously he has starting experience. He has the most experience of any safety at Ohio state other than ransom. And so certainly I think, you know, he, he's a guy that's going to uh, you know, he's going to be in that mix, but you know, I also look at the fact that, you know, you look at the peach bowl, the last game, Ohio state played, I mean, Sonny Styles got in the game. Kim Martinez got in the game. Josh Proctor didn't get in the game. So uh, I think Josh Proctor is still going to have to earn a starting job. I mean, you know, I think, you know, this spring is going to go a long way for him there. And, you know, I also think, you know, the other interesting thing about, you know, safety too is, okay, do we see Jim Knowles? stick with what he did last year and really mostly just play the top three safeties, or could we see some more rotation and packages, you know, at the safety position? I mean, I look at a guy like a Sonny styles and the role he played against Georgia in terms of, you know, basically playing linebacker in that game. And, you know, could that be a role that gets expanded more, you know, maybe he's not a starter, but maybe he still plays a lot playing that kind of hybrid role. You know, Court Williams is another guy who could have a role like that. You know, are there roles that could be had for a Kai Stokes or Kim Martinez or a Josh Proctor if if they're not starters? So, you know, I think the depth gives Ohio State a lot of options there in terms of what they can do, how they can align things. And and that's a, a good situation to be in. And, you know, this spring is going to be an important part of figuring out how to best fit those puzzle pieces together.
0: Yeah. And there's a lot of guys in the safety room, Dan, that have also played multiple different positions over the years, right? I mean, think about Josh Proctor. He's a guy that's played that free safety spot before. Obviously now two different defensive regimes over the past couple of years now. You look at a guy like Cam Martinez, Lathan Ransom, Josh Proctor. Those are guys that have all played different spots at safety that could all be moved around. And you know that 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 position is certainly bolstered in terms of depth for sure. Dan, so there's now three six years that we know are returning for Ohio State, with Proctor, Matt Jones coming back on the offensive line, of course, and Xavier Johnson coming back on offense, playing that wide receiver, maybe some running back as well. Still no official word as of yet on Tyler Friday or Palier Naote. However, Dan, what, what is the cutoff on, on decisions? It's not until early February, right? February 3. February, yeah. So February took still a little ways to go on, on those. But, you know, as of now, High State has gotten some pieces that could be very key for them in terms of those veteran guys coming back.
1: Yeah, certainly the three guys that you mentioned a benefit for sure to have all of those guys back. We talked about Matt Jones, obviously going to be really important with, you know, the offensive line uncertainty. You know, Xavier Johnson, a guy we saw that, you know, whenever he got opportunities last season, he provided value as a, whether that be as a wide receiver or a running back and also played the most special team snaps of last season. So we know that he's going to provide value, you know, however they decide to utilize him. And then like we talked about with Josh Proctor, you know, a guy who gives them another option for sure at, at a minimum at, at a position
0: where Ohio state is replacing two starters winter enrollees coming in just a couple of weeks ago for Ohio state, I believe 11 of them, but let's talk about not only those 11 guys from last year that came in in January, but really the, all of the first year players in general, because I think we are under the impression that several of them might be able to find a bigger role and, and play a significant part on the 2023 roster. Um, and of course the top ranked guy in the class stand last year five-star linebacker CJ Hicks Ohio native a lot of people were excited to see what he could do in his first year with you know a, a guy like Jim Knowles coaching the linebackers but Dan we, we didn't actually see him play any any snaps at linebacker on the Buckeye defense of course with Jim Knowles pretty much leaving all the snaps to Tommy Eikenberg and Steel Chambers which worked out you know pretty well for the Buckeyes this past season but it certainly didn't leave many opportunities for Hicks aside from the special team side of things, because he did play quite a bit on special teams, but that that is one guy who, you know, I'm sure a lot of people are waiting to see in a bigger role for Ohio State.
1: Yeah. My feeling is if we, if we pulled our listeners, you know, the second year guys they're most eager to see in 2023, I think CJ Hicks would be very near the top of that list. I know that, you know, when I wrote about him for the site last week, that there were a lot of people who are expressing eagerness to see him and concerned maybe that we won't see him much this year uh, because of Tommy Eichenberg and, and Steele Chambers coming back. That remains to be seen. You know, the one thing I can say, you know, I know that there's a lot of people out there who naturally in today's day and age, the first thing they wonder if a guy's not playing is, well, is he going to hit the transfer portal? When I talked to CJ Hicks, it certainly sounded like that was the last thing on his mind. I mean, I mean, even when I talked to him in, in high school, he was very big on saying, you know, if, if I have to wait my turn, you know, if I have to wait till my, you know, junior senior year to be a starter, I'll, I'll do what I have to do. I'm here for the team. So, you know, obviously things can change, but there was absolutely zero indication from talking to him before the Peach ball that anything has changed in his mind in terms of his commitment to Ohio State. And so I don't think there's anything to worry about there. I, I do think, as I've expressed before, that, you know, he's a guy that I, I think Jim Knowles and the Ohio State coaches need, need to find a way to get involved this year because I, I think, you know, he is talented. Obviously, he's got to prove he's ready, too. Like, that, that's part of it. Like, if he, if he had shown in year one that he was truly ready to play a lot on defense, they probably would have found a role for him. He did play a lot on special teams, which I think is a good sign towards, you know, him – Progressing in the right direction. And so I think, you know, that question now is okay, can he really prove that he needs to be on the field this year? And then if so, what does that look like? Knowing that last year, Ohio State didn't really ever want to take Tommy Eichenberg and steel Chambers off the field. What could a role for CJ Hicks look like? Especially when you factor in the fact that, you know, Cody Simon's back and You know, there's there's other guys there, too, that are going to be trying to earn playing time. So he's certainly going to have to earn it. But, you know, I look at both those five star guys from the 2022 class, CJ Hicks and Sonny Styles, you know, and, 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 you know, sometimes it's too easy to just say, well, a five star guy's got to play. But I I do think those are two guys just with their skill sets that they have are, are guys that Ohio State should be looking to find a role for this year and I I think both of them can help in that sense of whether it be linebacker, safety, whatever you want to call it. I think they're both guys who have that skill set where they could kind of play that hybrid role and I think they could add a little bit more in coverage than what the starting linebackers do. And I'm interested to see is Jim Knowles or Ohio State, are they willing to maybe add in some packages that, you know, bring one of those guys in and maybe take one of those starting linebackers off the field, you know, a dime package or whatever you want to call it, that gives gives Ohio State more coverage ability when you're going against a team like Georgia that has really good tight ends and running backs. And so I, I think there's ways you can utilize those guys. Even if they're not starters, like we talked about before, if if I had to pick right now who the starting strong safety will be for Ohio State in 2023, I would pick Sonny Styles. I don't know that I would do that with high confidence because you've got Josh Proctor and Court Williams and all these other guys competing for a spot. But if I had to pick right now, I would pick Sonny Styles to be Ohio State's starting strong safety.
0: I think a lot of fans would be uh, very excited if that was the case. Obviously, Sonny Styles, Dan, coming in and reclassifying to come into the program early and still ended up playing 67 snaps on defense, 12 against Georgia. I, I know, you know, the coaches were really glowing about him throughout the season and Ryan Day being like, it's, it's really you know surprising that he's been able to come in and get in the mix this early when he's really supposed to be a high school senior right now and to end up getting that amount of playing time. I mean, obviously, he's just a physical freak, you know, in, in terms of an athlete. And, you know, he, he cut out a role for himself on special teams as well. You know, certainly impressed during in certain packages when we got to see him play in, in practice and things like that ahead of the season. Those are certainly guys, I mean, even Hicks, Dan, even though like, you know, guys like Taraja Mitchell and, and, uh, you know, Nayo Teote didn't necessarily like factor into the the linebacker rotation. you talk talking about Chip Tranum as well as he stay a running back. All of those guys, while they didn't play, you know, much at linebacker this season, um, all of those guys potentially are going to be out of that room, which will at least allow Hicks to potentially move up on the depth chart. Now, whether or not that results in him playing a ton of snaps if the line if the rotation looks similar to it did how it did last year. That remains to be seen. But at least in terms of the depth chart, it would seem like he'd be moving up regardless. Dan, now on the other side of the ball for Ohio State, a guy we just talked about in depth recently, Devin Brown was another one of the first year guys. He came in last January. I mentioned the other week on the podcast that he told me coming in early was really beneficial for him and that he felt by the time the other guys came in in the summer. The other freshman came in, you know, six months later. That he already felt that you know he was older than those guys and more experienced than those guys. Um, he's already a full year into his development at Ohio State, and he's going to be competing for a starting job at quarterback to replace CJ Stroud. A tough task, no doubt, but certainly a guy that you know we talked about the fact that you know we believe in in his ability to compete for the starting job, perhaps more than even some of the readers on the site do, based on the results of that poll we put up about who, you know, the fans expect to see winning that quarterback position. Devin Brown, of course, didn't attempt to pass last year, did play 15 snaps to quarterback. I think he got one rush in that certainly will be a guy that, you know, we're going to have our eyes on, glued to really this spring and in the upcoming offseason.
1: Yeah, I mean, you talk about guys who could have def- breakout years in this class as sophomores. but Certainly the number one guy on the list is Devin Brown because Devin Brown could be the starting quarterback. I mean, he, he could be the most important guy in his class next year, or he might not be because Kyle McCord might be the starting quarterback, but I mean, he, he could be the most important player in his class next year. We'll we'll see how that ultimately plays out, but you know, certainly he's a guy who certainly has a chance to earn a really big role on this team next year when I look, you know, just kind of across the board, you know, who, who are some of the other guys that have a chance to earn bigger roles this year? You know, I think a couple guys who stand out to me are Caden Curry and Jair Brown. I I think a lot of people were impressed by what we saw from Caden Curry this past year. You know, he didn't play a lot because there were four to five defensive ends ahead of him on the depth chart, depending on whether Tyler Friday was available. but. When he did play, he looked really good. He also played a lot on special teams. I mean, he even was playing on kickoff coverage, which I think speaks to how athletic he is. And you look at that defensive end depth chart for next year, Zach Harrison's gone. Javante Jean-Baptiste is gone. Tyler Friday seemingly gone. I I think the door's wide open for him to be the number three defensive end. Slash Jack, because, you know, he's he's a guy that definitely has that body type to play that Jack linebacker role. And so whether it be defensive end, Jack, he would certainly seem to be the guy in my mind who is most likely to be that top backup defensive end behind JT T Two and wow and Jack Sawyer. and And, you know, the door could certainly be open for the other defensive ends, too. I mean, if you look at the recruiting rankings from last year. The fourth and fifth highest ranked recruits in the class were Kenyatta Jackson and Amari Ebor. And so both of those guys could factor in at that defensive end position as well. We didn't see as much of them this past year because they both redshirted. Amari Ebor was also injured. But, you know, certainly I I think a good chance that, you know, multiple defensive ends from this class could be on the two deep in 2023.
0: Yeah, Dan, you, you keep going down kind of in terms of how these guys were ranked on 247 coming into the class. You run into a couple of those wide receivers, four star guys, Caleb Brown and Keon Grays, really, but it, it kind of applies to all four of those guys. And when you, when you also consider Caleb Burton and Kojo Antwi, that none of them got a lot of opportunities, Dan. And it's, you know, it was always going to be difficult for them to do so with the talent that Ohio State had a wide receiver this past year. But unfortunately for those young guys, Dan you know, all those guys are back other than Jackson Smith and Jigba who hardly played for Ohio state this season. And Ohio state has another stellar wide receiver class coming in with guys that are even more highly touted than, uh, you know, the likes of Caleb Brown and Keon Grays and and those guys. So, you know, those guys find themselves in, you know, maybe a bit bit of a tight spot just because, you know, there, there won't figure to be a ton of opportunities for them. If guys like Marvin Harrison, Jr. Mecca, Ibuka. Julian Fleming, you know, you talk about Xavier Johnson in that mix, you know, all stay healthy all season. And then you also throw in a guy like Brandon Ennis coming in a wide receiver, a true freshman who I know you have been saying, you know, Ohio state, that's another one of those guys that Ohio state's got to find a way to get on the field, you know, not a second year guy, a first year guy. So that's only going to make things more difficult for a group of wide receivers from last year. That was highly touted, but you know, didn't get a whole lot of playing time as true freshmen.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think realistically I think those four receivers probably have their work cut out for them to earn big roles this year, because like you talked about, I mean the top three from last year are back, you have to figure, you know, Xavier Johnson is going to have a role in there, you know, and then, you know, to me, like to me, I look at those four guys as well as Jaden Ballard going into his third year. And I think this is a really big spring for those guys. I think those guys need to gain some headway this spring and 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 make a push if they're going to, you know, earn their way in the two deep this year. You know, Brandon Ennis is coming. Carnell Tate's coming. Noah Rogers is coming. Ennis isn't going to be there this spring. And so that might give, you know, those guys an opportunity to, you know, establish some foothold. But Carnell Tate is there. Noah Rogers is there. Bryson Rogers is there. And so certainly when we talk about positions that are going to be intriguing this spring, wide receivers right up there too not so much with the starters but behind them because it's obviously a testament to Brian Hartline's recruiting that wide receiver room is loaded and the reality is that yeah you know, there's going to be some really good players in that room who just don't see much playing time because there's only so many snaps to go around there's only one football to go around and so you know they're not going to be able to get everybody as many snaps as they want. But I think, you know, like you said, I think I think all four of those freshmen are, are kind of in the same boat. You know, I think they're, you know, you know, obviously we saw, you know, Kojo Antwi and, and Caleb Brown, those guys each played in five games last year. They didn't redshirt. So that would suggest that they're maybe a little bit further ahead of Keon Grays and Caleb Burton. But I do think all four of those guys collectively, like there's just there's not really a clear path for any of them. If they want to get on the field this year, they really are going to have to earn it.
0: And an, another skill position guy on offense that really played the the biggest role of, of maybe anyone in the class last year, Dan, is Dallin Hayden, a running back, who came into the class as the fifth lowest ranked recruit for the Buckeyes in the class. He was 282 overall as a four-star prospect out of Memphis, but ends up obviously the the running back situation and the injuries in that position room are very well publicized over the past year. And that led to Hayden, you know, being the starting running back for Ohio State in the Peach Bowl. And, and he ended up, you know, racking up, what, well over 500 yards on the ground. And it was to the point where, you know, people were wondering why he didn't have a bigger role against Michigan, a, a game that, you know, came on the heels of, of two big performances by the true freshman with, you know, obviously injuries to Travion Henderson, Mayan Williams before the season, Evan Pryor, you know getting injured, having to bring Chip Trainum into the running back room. But but Dan, I think his second season at Ohio State, you know, is is kind of uncertain too be because of all the talent that's coming back and figures to be healthy for Ohio State at running back next year. And like so so Hayden, you know, he had kind of a breakout year for Ohio State as a true freshman and not a lot of people were expecting that. But if Ohio State's running back room is completely healthy, we, we wouldn't figure him to be you know, among the top two, three guys necessarily.
1: Yeah. He's kind of in a weird spot in this class because most of these guys were talking about how their roles could expand next year. And in Hayden's it's like, is his role going to decrease? Like you'd almost, you know, have to think it will because if you assume that Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams will both be fully healthy, then Hayden is, you know, he's, he's probably competing to be the third string running back, which, I mean, he even might have to compete for that because Chip Traynham could stay at running back, like you said, and Evan Pryor will be back from his torn ACL. And so, you know, a lot of depth there at, at, at running back. You know, obviously, as we saw last year, you know, that depth can thin out quickly if you get injuries. And so, you know, Dallin Hayden certainly, you know, you'd think, you know, could have his opportunities this year. But, you know, I also think, you know, I know, I know he's a guy who a lot of people have questioned, like, oh, no, is he going to transfer? You know, if he's a first-string running back, is he going to transfer? You know, I I think, you know, the thing that, you know, Ohio State can sell him on is, you know, this is probably going to be both Travion and Mayans last year, most likely, before they go to the NFL. And so I think Dallin could really set himself up. He's already started setting himself up to be that starting running back in 2024 after they're gone. And so certainly I think based on what we saw this past season, Dallin Hayden's future as an Ohio state running back looks bright, but that doesn't necessarily mean a bigger role for him this year.
0: You can talk about the guys that are going to be blocking for those running backs, whether it's in practice or in real games. Obviously we've talked so much about the offensive line for Ohio state and that's why it's, you know, more important than ever that guys like Tegra Shabola and, you know, Fitzpatrick, Carson Hinsman as well. Those are all guys that you know, may not be really competing for a starting job beyond perhaps Shibola, you know, with how things shake out in the interior offensive line in terms of starters. But all those guys are guys that certainly need to take steps and, and develop and, and become ready to, you know, potentially step into bigger roles, maybe beyond next season, because there's certainly going to be more turnover after that.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, all that we've talked about on the offensive line, there, there is a need for more you know depth to emerge there and so certainly you know you know avery henry obviously he's dealing with his his cancer diagnosis right now and so you know he's not someone that they're you know going to be able to count on to play this year obviously for him right now all the focus is on just just getting healthy and and you know beat this health challenge that he's dealing with but i think the other three offensive linemen from last year's class certainly You know, Tegra Shibola, Carson Hinsman, George Fitzpatrick, you know, those are guys that they're going to be looking to see some strides from this year uh, to, you know, compete for spots on the two deep, at least, you know, I guess I think, I mean, mean, you know, if if any one of those guys I would say I think has a chance to earn a starting job, I would put Shibola at the top of that list because we did see him start last season as the second team right guard before they ultimately decided to redshirt him. And, you know, especially when you consider the fact that he arrived in the summer last year, I think that's a promising sign in terms of, you know, they saw stuff they liked from Tegra Shabola as a freshman. And so he's a guy I would certainly expect to be on, on that too deep and to potentially even, you know, push for a starting job this spring. You know, I think, you know, Hinsman and Fitzpatrick, it's probably less likely those guys would be starters this year, but you know, I mean, you look at Fitzpatrick, I mean, we, we talked about the big concern at offensive tackle. And so, you know, Fitzpatrick's a guy, I think he, he's going to start the spring on the two deep and he's going to have a chance. If he can have a good spring, he, he could have a chance to potentially earn a starting job. And so uh, I think, you know, he's a guy that definitely has an opportunity he can take advantage of, you know, Carson Hinsman's a guy, uh, you know, I'm still not certain exactly where he's going to play on the line. You know, he was recruited, you know, mostly as a center, I think he spent some time at tackle last year. And so, you know, he's a guy who could potentially play anywhere along the offensive line. Didn't play at all last year, but, you know, I do think he's a guy who, you know, has high upside, has a bright future at Ohio State. And so I think he's certainly a guy who could be a candidate to earn a spot in the two deep as well.
0: The last kind of offensive player to talk about in that class would be tight end Bennett Christian, who I know we were talking about last year kind of as an interesting guy because things at tight end were kind of uncertain for Ohio State with not knowing where Cade Stover's future was going to lie after ending the 2021 season at linebacker. Mitch Rossi obviously also being, you know, kind of that fullback hybrid, not really a a full-fledged, full-fledged traditional tight end. Um, Bennett Christian coming in as You know the 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 second lowest ranked recruit in that class, a four star guy, but ranked number four oh eight in the twenty twenty two cycle for Ohio State. Did not find many opportunities, Dan, because of course Cade Stover came in and really solidified himself as that you know legitimate tight end, really a go to weapon at times, even in the in the passing game, and a guy that that really sealed that position down early in the year. And then even beyond Stover, you know there there still are a lot of names at tight end with guys like G Scott. You know, seemingly coming back. You know, Joe Royer, a guy that people were high on in the spring. C.J. Stroud. You know, talked about Joe Royer as being one of the more underrated players in general on the team. Didn't end up getting a, a ton of opportunities himself. And so that, you know, when you start to to run down some of those names in terms of tight ends, you start to wonder what opportunities Christian will have next year because he, he redshirted this year, only appeared in two games, and then you've also got guys like. You know, Jelani Thurman, a, a more highly touted tight end coming in as a true freshman to kind of adds even more competition into that class. And, you know, with Kate Sover coming back, you'd think that the the top of that depth chart would be pretty solidified. Although, you know, of course, there's always room for injuries and things like that to, to pop up and give guys more opportunities, but you know, certainly not a crystal clear path for Benning Christian to, you know, get a, a ton of opportunities as a second year player.
1: Yeah, I think the thing that you know you could say there but i think creates a window of opportunity for christian is a lot of those guys you talked about are still very unproven as blockers and obviously blocking is a really important component of playing the tight end position in ohio state's offense and you know christian is a guy who really was brought in because of his blocking you know he's not a guy who's probably ever gonna put up big numbers as a receiver But he's a guy who, you know, was a really good blocker in high school and has the ability to be a really good blocker at the collegiate level. And so you look at a guy like Mitch Rossi leaving, you know, and I don't know if they're necessarily going to have that true fullback type to replace Mitch Rossi this year. But you do figure they're going to be looking for somebody who, you know, can really replace his role as a blocker, you know, because I think you look at guys like G Scott and Joe Royer and Jelani Furman, and, you know, maybe those guys are all better receivers than they are blockers. Now, you know, they're all growing as, as blockers. And I think, you know, particularly guys like Royer and Scott, you know, Ohio state would really like to see those guys take the next step and become the complete tight end this year. But I still think there is a window of opportunity there for, for Christian I don't I definitely don't think it's a clear path to the field I think it's probably more likely that you know he could earn a bigger role a year from now in Kate Stover's in the NFL but I don't think the window's closed there because I do think there's still a lot of uncertainty at that tight end position behind Kate Stover yeah
0: and two guys on defense that we haven't talked about that I think find themselves in a little bit of no man's land I mean you can tell me if you think I'm off on that but One of those guys would be Gabe Powers, who, you know, linebacker coming in, Ohio kid, uh, played just two games on special teams. And we've already talked about the situation at linebacker. And, you know, when a five-star guy like C.J. Hicks isn't even able to find any snaps, you know, in his first year, you know, Gabe, neither was Gabe Powers. And uh, that's a guy who is probably going to have to wait some more time for his opportunities. You know, I kind of think about him in the same place, kind of as like a guy like Reed Carrico that's been in the the program now, kind of waiting for his opportunities and, and, and they may come, they may come, you know, after these guys get more development, after guys in front of them exit the program and things like that. But certainly right now would seem to have his work cut out for him in terms of finding opportunities next season with the guys that are coming back. And then another guy that I kind of put in a, in a similar situation, although there may be more opportunities, would be Ryan Turner at cornerback, a guy who, you know, played far less than his fellow freshman counterpart, Jire Brown, who we just talked talked about um, who who really did factor in with, you know, some of the the injury situations and uncertainty at cornerback this past season, and then, you know, you talk about the corners that are coming in this year for for Ohio State, Dana, with Jermaine Matthews and Calvin Simpson Hunt, guys that people are really high on those guys, and they seem to be, you know, in some of the recruiting services even kind of boosting those guys at the end of the 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 you know cycle here. Um, and those guys are certainly going to get a lot of buzz as well. Could those guys? be right on par with Ryan Turner coming in, who knows, but you know, he could, he could have more opportunities this season, but didn't see a whole lot of them. Redshirted this past year appeared in four games. And like I said, a lot less playing time than Jair Brown.
1: Yeah. And I think at linebacker reality is it's, it's just tough right now for, for certain guys to have a clear chance at playing time because of the fact that you know Jim Knowles system they're basically playing two linebackers most of the time and they're not really rotating and so I think you look at guys like Gabe Powers and even Reed Carrico going into his third year and you just think where's that playing time going to come from there's not a clear answer to that right now and so you know we'll kind of see how that develops this offseason I mean certainly you know those guys are important from A depth standpoint and you can always have injuries that can come up. So they might not be that far away from getting on the field, but it did feel that way last year because neither of them played any defensive snaps. You know, I think at corner, I would agree in the sense that I, like, I wouldn't predict Ryan Turner to win a starting job this year. But I also think, you know, when you look at the fact that they only have six scholarship corners right now, they need every one of those guys. I mean, we saw at times last year, I mean, Ohio state, Jair Brown started a game and he entered the year as a fifth corner. And so I'm certainly not counting Ryan Turner out at at corner because, you know, I, I think, you know, you look at the depth chart at that position. I think Denzel Burke is the number one guy after that. I think things are pretty wide open for, you know, two for six. I would say though, that like right now, if I was predicting the starting corner, Opposite Denzel Burke, I would pick Jair Brown. That would be my pick based based on what we saw from Jair Brown this past year. I, I thought he did very well for, for a freshman being thrown in a tough spot as sometimes a starting outside corner. I, I thought we saw a lot of promise from him. And so I I think that's another position versus again. I mean, there's a lot, lot a lot of interesting position battles to watch this offseason. I think corner's another one of them because you know Jordan Hancock was plagued by a hamstring injury all last year. Can he, you know, come back in his third year and be the player of it? He's been expected to be, like you said, I mean, Jermaine Matthews, Calvin Simpson, Hunter, both highly regarded guys. So could one of them make an immediate push for a starting job? It's not out of a question. We saw Denzel Burke do it two years ago, but if I was picking right now, handicapping that race, I would pick Jair Brown right now as the guy who I would, I would pick to be that number two corner. And I, and, you know, like I said, I think, you know, those DBs, I think those second year DBs. Are going to be important this year because I think Jair Brown, Sonny Styles, and Kai Stokes are all guys who could potentially play significant roles in a secondary that clearly needs to be better than it was a year ago. You know, I think out of those three guys, I'd probably say Stokes is the least likely guy to start. But you know, again, based on the flashes we saw from him last off season, those didn't necessarily carry over into the season. But I, I think he's a guy, certainly still that. It impressed the coaches a lot in his first year and certainly looks to have a very bright future at Ohio state.
0: Yeah, we already talked about some of the, you know, edge rushers, um, in, in that class, but talk about the interior defensive line, a guy like hero canoe is certainly a guy that seems like, you know, could benefit from the likes of Jaron cage and Teron Vincent exiting the program played in three games. Then redshirted this past season, a four-star recruit, top 150 guy coming, uh, hailing originally from from Germany. An interesting prospect for Ohio State could potentially, you know, the, the Ohio State still does have some really talented guys, you know, in, in those positions. When you talk about Mike Hall, Ty Lake Williams, Ty Hamilton as well, coming back. Uh, but Hero Canoe could, could certainly, you know, we know how the, the defensive line rotates at Ohio State, a guy that, that that certainly seems to, figures to get a lot more snaps in that rotation season.
1: Yeah, I think Hero Canoe's got a very good chance to be on the two deep because you look at it, there's only four other returning scholarship defensive tackles next season, those being Mike Hall, Tyleek Williams, Ty Hamilton, and Jaden McKenzie. And we haven't seen Jaden McKenzie play very much. And so, you know, you figure, you know, I don't know who the two starters will be, but you figure between Mike Hall, Tyleek Williams, Ty Hamilton, you figure those three guys are all going to play a lot. They're probably going to play most of the snaps at defensive tackle. But again, Ohio State typically likes to have at least two lines of guys rotating at that position. And so I think that leaves the door wide open for Hero Canoe to come in and and potentially earn, you know, substantial playing time as a redshirt freshman. You know, I remember, you know, listening to the radio show last year. I remember one time that Ryan Day went out of his way to praise both Hero Canoe and Kenyatta Jackson for how well they had performed on a scout team. And, and Day day typically hesitates. He I remember I think even when he started that response, he's like, I, I don't really like singling out a freshman because it makes parents mad, but I'm going to single out those two anyway because that's how impressed he was with their scout team work. And so, you know, I think that second year class of defensive linemen is very interesting. There really weren't, you know, many opportunities for those guys last year because Ohio State had so many returning veterans on the defensive line. But I think now that a lot of those guys are gone, I think There's very, very much a door open for, you know, any and all of those sophomore defensive linemen or, you know, redshirt freshmen, second year, whatever they are. I mean, Curry's the only one who's a true sophomore, but those four second year defensive linemen, I think there could be opportunities available for any one of them to potentially earn significant playing time this year.
0: And one of the things that I gleaned from, from, from writing that article and and looking back at the snaps these guys played and, and the things that they did in their first year was, there really was not a whole lot of guys that saw a whole lot of opportunities, um, you know, certainly less playing time for the freshmen overall, I think, this past year than we saw the the previous group have in 2021. Do you think that that could backfire for Ohio State in terms of guys that are are less experienced and, and potentially need to step up in, in certain spots?
1: I think it could. I mean, I, I just think back to two years ago when... You know, Ohio State was coming off the COVID season. And one of the things Ryan Day harped on a lot was the fact that they didn't have as much experience that a lot of the guys who had been backups the year before didn't play that much. And I think, you know, going into this past season, you know, I think there was a different feeling there because of a fact that a lot of those young guys in 2021. A lot, a, a lot of them saw a lot of playing time as freshmen. You know, obviously there were guys like Denzel Burke and Travion Henderson that, you know, became starters. But then even guys like, you know, JT Two Tumoloow and, and Jack Sawyer and Tyleek Williams and, you know, Marvin Harrison, Ameka Buka, you know, all those guys got opportunities to play as, as freshmen that played a big part in enabling them to become major players this year. Now, that's not a prerequisite. Like as we saw, like with Mike Hall this past year, he redshirted as a freshman and then he became a big impact player of his past season. And so it's not a prerequisite to have that playing experience as a freshman to necessarily make a big impact as a sophomore. But I I do think that it would have been good. It would have been helpful if these guys had been able to get a little bit more playing time last year. Because I think, you know, again we, especially when we talk about like the back seven on defense, because they were so reliant on the starters there. You know, now you have guys like a Sonny Styles like a Kai Stokes, where, you know, those guys certainly have shown the potential to play big roles this year, but they're still very unproven, you know? And so, I mean, a Devin Brown, I mean, he could be a starting quarterback they never gave him an opportunity to throw a pass, which may have been by design. I mean, we didn't see CJ Stroud throw any passes when he was a freshman either, and then he became a Heisman finalist in his first year as a starter. So, again, not a not a prerequisite. But, you know, I you do think that you know, if those guys had gotten a little bit more playing time, they'd they'd probably be a little bit, you know, further ahead going into this year. And I think, you know, some of that was a result of. The starters played more. There just weren't quite as many opportunities for the backups to get extended playing time. Some of it was probably also the fact that, you know, these these guys collectively as a class maybe just weren't quite as ready to play as the class was a year before when there were just a lot of guys who made a real push right away for significant playing time. Like maybe just there just weren't as many of those guys in this class. I mean, really, the only guy in the class who we saw play a major role last season was Dallin Hayden. And that was more out of necessity than anything else, because, you know, not that he didn't deserve it. He, he, he proved that he deserved it with the way he played, but it probably wouldn't have happened if not for injuries to Travion Henderson, Maya Williams and Evan Pryor. So, you know, I think for a lot of these guys, they were just kind of blocked on the depth chart and, you know, the opportunities just didn't come. But as we talked about, I, I do think there's, a lot of guys in this group that there are going to be opportunities for this year if they can earn them.
0: And Dave, we're going to have the chance to to maybe learn a little bit more about you know where Ryan Day thinks some of those guys can slot in next year or how their progress is because we will get to talk to Ryan Day next Wednesday, which is also National Signing Day. Which while we're not expecting any signees, it will be good to talk to Ryan Day for the first time in quite a while and also get the the opportunity to talk to the You know, early enrollees as well. Dan, anybody you're particularly excited to talk to among that group of of upcoming freshmen next week?
1: Well, I figure too, assuming that the transfers are going to be there as well, I'd probably put Jihad Carter at the top of the list because I've never talked to him. And so I certainly am interested in in talking to him. You know, I think of the early enrollees, you know, I I I've never personally talked to Carnell Tate or Noah Rogers or Jelani Furman. And so, I think those are three guys in particular because I haven't personally had the opportunity to talk to them. Miles Walker as well would be in that group. Guys, I've I've not personally had the opportunity to talk to, so certainly I'm looking forward to talking to them for the first time. How about you?
0: Yeah, I mean, really, any of those guys. To be honest with you, I mean, we 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 have talked to to several of those guys at, at camps and, and things like that in the past. But getting their perspective, I mean, I've never talked to I don't think Jelani Thurman before. Obviously, you mentioned Carnell Tate as well. That'll all be interesting, Dan it'll be good to get some some fresh some fresh content to deliver to the to our our faithful listeners in the weeks to come and as you mentioned earlier you know no basketball talk this week because we're recording on the same day that ohio state is taking on illinois on the road but next week we should be able to dive in some some hoops talk for you guys if anyone is you know missing some basketball talk in their life
1: yeah and another big game on saturday at Indiana. i believe you will be there so certainly we'll we'll be talking about that as well so thank you for listening in And we'll check back with you next week.